0: Welcome to the City Point Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at citypoint.tv or our Facebook page, City Point Church. Praise God. Good morning, everybody. So here we go. We're ready to get in the Word this morning. And um, I want to, I'm I'm in part four of this series called Removed. And um, we've talked about three different areas where we get moved in. And number one, the message number one was as it pertained to the definition of removed in that it's distant in degree of relationship. So when we come into Christ and we're saved by the gospel and, and, the, and the grace like the Tommy was talking about and how we come out of darkness into light and we're placed in Christ Jesus, that's the terms, you know, the New Testament uses. And uh, when we are placed in Christ Your whole life changes. You're transformed. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. But then the enemy goes to work to try to remove you from him. He doesn't necessarily remove you from church. He doesn't have to remove you from church or being religious. He just wants to remove you from Jesus because Jesus is dangerous. (laughs) Come on, somebody. I mean, you get hooked up with Jesus and you become dangerous at least to the devil you become a threat. You know, I don't know, I don't know that church makes anybody really dangerous. In fact, church has a way of, you know, sometimes church has a way of producing a bunch of cookie-cutter people and we all think that the goal of church is what we all look like, talk alike and and we are alike. But but that's not the purpose of the church. The church is here to reflect Jesus. And so Paul said in Galatians 1, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him who has called you unto another gospel. And we talked about that in part one. Then in part two we talked about the relationship, how that he tries to separate us in space, time, or character. Because These are dictionary definitions of the word remove, by the way. So to separate space, time, or character is how the enemy tries to remove you from yourself being able to understand who you are and 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 even get you try to try to get to you where you lose yourself. Jesus said, "What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but he gets removed from his soul?" That's good preaching right there. You should tune that in. It's on a, a SoundCloud. And then and so we talked about that. And then in part three, we, the definition is to transfer or to go away. And we talked about <laughs> Jeremiah last week and how that as a young man, he got this call from God. It was awesome. God called him from his mother's womb. And in Jeremiah 1, he says he formed him and he, he called him and he put his words in his mouth. And, and, um, and Jeremiah is this mighty prophet this mouthpiece for God. And then in the ninth chapter, we saw how all Jeremiah wanted to do was go away. Oh, that I were a wayfaring man in the wilderness where no people are. Because people can make you crazy. You know my little poem, right? Oh, to live in heaven above with Jesus, that will be glory. But to live below with folks I know, that's another story. You know it's true. You know it's true. You know it's true. You know it's true. <laughs> so anyway, we talked about Jeremiah. We talked about how the, God, had to really, God had to really discipline him. Because he, you know, his his wanting to go away into a wayfaring thing meant he removed himself from his calling and from his very gifting and from his identity. And that really reflects a lot of us how the enemy removes us from our calling, our gifting, our ability, our love. He, He removes us from our purpose, our dreams, anything he can to get us in that spirit of, I just leave, just leave me alone. And so then, today I want to take that message a little further. Are you, are you ready? Yeah. Let me see if I can get this to work. Wow, there we go. So today I want, to, I want to talk to you about this in line. Keep in mind, Jeremiah, what God was doing there. And my, my title for this portion here today is evict or be evicted. Evict or be evicted. The word evict means to force out, to expel by legal process, to evict, to force out. So if the idea is that something is unlawfully or unsupposed to be, <laughs> not supposed to be, I'm making up English now, That's, bear with me, I, I'll make up a few words probably before we get done. So it means to force out, to expel by legal process. So if, if, if there are things in your world, in you, in your life that are sitting there and they're not supposed to be there, then they need to be evicted. If there's attitudes in you, habits, thoughts, mindsets, we talked about last week, that have set up shop in your life, the, the point is that you either force them out, or they they will force you out. Jesus said in Matthew 28, he said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority. The word authority there is the Greek word exousia. it's the word ability, power, influence, jurisdiction. Every one of you have been given jurisdiction over your own life, over your thoughts, over your soul, over your spirit, over your life and, and your heart and everything that pertains to you. You've been given ability, power, influence, jurisdiction. So on the basis of that, think about that. Jesus is saying, "All jurisdiction has been given to me now see jesus is the supreme authority you are an authority jesus is the supreme authority everybody go like this you just i'll prove this in a second just bear with me he says all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth everybody say on earth earth. see because here's what a lot of people have forgotten they think that they are They are in control of everything. They even think they're in control of you. And many people are trying to control not just themselves, but a lot of the conflict. And think about the troubles that you have in your world. Many of it is because people are trying to exert their control over you. Parents fall into control issues. You say, well, Pastor Mike, shouldn't parents be in control? Well, parents are by their very nature, by their position, they're in authority. But in the autonomy of man, we have to realize that the way that we nurture and bring our children up in the fear of the Lord is how to, is how to raise children. You raise children in admonition and by the fear of the Lord. Paul said in Ephesians, don't provoke your children to wrath. Because a lot of our wisdom in parenting, we get from the world, and it's a a world built around control. And as long as I can control you, then I'm, I'm okay with you. People do it it's it's a It's a marriage thing it's a It's a work thing. It's a life thing. You try to control anything that you can't understand. Do y'all need know anybody who's a dinda, this is not for any of you. this is for those people up the street who are control freaks And so. All authority has been given to me, Jesus says, in heaven and earth. Now here's what has happened. Jesus says, acknowledge that I am an authority. Now on the basis of that, I'm going to empower you. Go, therefore, make disciples. See, that's, this discipling is how the church operates. The church is not in control of people. The church is here to disciple people to train, to teach, and, and not to drive people, not to, you know, a lot of people have bad, bad taste in their mouth over church because a lot, of, a lot of times what the church is guilty of too is we're trying to manipulate and control people. It's not going to be like this again, is it? Y'all got to help me. I'm trying to help you. See, I'm, I, I, I'm under, the, under the idea that I got from the Word of God that Jesus is the ultimate authority. And that under him I have been given authority. But it's not to control you, it's to get me under control. Because for years I spent my life out of control thinking I was in control. But it wasn't me that was in control, I was like a puppet and the devil just pulled my strings like Paul said in Ephesians. You who were once alienated, you were once enemies of God. Satan just, and I would just. (laughs) I'm doing my own thing. I wasn't doing my thing, I was doing his thing. And then I came to Jesus and I found out God gave me power and authority and that power and authority is to have jurisdiction. But I don't need jurisdiction over you because I don't have control over you. I can't control what you, I can't even control what my wife does. I can't control the thermostat in my house. The only thing I really have control of in my house is the dishwasher, the washing machine and the dryer and the vacuum cleaner. She has trained me well. I mean, I don't have control over her. And, the, and, you know, for years I thought, man, God, if you would just, here's, because, you know, I was, I'm just like all you guys. The first scripture I learned when I got saved, listen to me, the first scripture I memorized was wives submit. Because <laughs> that's what I heard all the Christian husbands around me quoting to their wives. The only problem was none of them were obeying it. And you you know why? Because uh, it's hard for a wife to submit to a man who's not really walking in love. Because how come the first verse we don't learn as men is husbands love your wives even as Christ loves the church. And I'm like, Jesus, if you would just save Terry and you just help Terry. My life would be so much better if you would fix Terry. Please fix Terry. I spent a good number of my, my early years trying to pray and ask God to fix her. When really what God was trying to do was something inside of me and bring me jurisdiction over my own self. Because how, how, we, how we master ourself is gonna see, is gonna determine how we walk out our lives. Many of you want, you want mastery over demons and sickness and disease and bondage and you want mastery over situations and circumstances but you have no mastery even over your own self. Preach, passerby guy, I'm on it. Come on somebody. Isn't it, isn't it sickening? Don't you get disgusted with people who preach one thing and then live another? Well, then stop it. Because that's what we're doing. When we're, listen, people say, well, you know, I love the Lord and I love the, here's like one I hear a lot. I love to pray. I just can't get up that early. Well, who's in control there? Mmm, Got real quiet. I love I love my I love my husband. I love my wife. It's just when I'm around him. <laughs> who's in who's in mastery there? I don't like to say those things, but it just seems they come out. I'm Italian. I used to say that because I said I I, I was told I tell you I, I was told my whole life I was a huge part of me, my grandmother was a full-blooded Indian. And I blamed everything because I was an Indian. I stereotyped it like you all do. You know, Indians are hot headed and hot blooded, and that's me, I'm an Indian. Then I took the DNA test from ancestry, and I have absolutely no Indian blood in me so I don't know whose fault it is. (laughs) Uh, Now I know it's Terry, it's got to be Terry. Do you see what I'm saying? It's a mastery thing. Jesus, well, I know, see, we only quote this as regards to our going out into the world to win the world. But let me me just run something by you here. Do you think Jesus didn't know what he was talking about? Do you think Jesus was talking about something a little deeper than evangelism? You know what he was saying? You will never win the world until you win yourself. This is why people aren't beating a path to the door of the church. Cuz they look at us and they go, "Man, you're just as messed up as I am." <laughs> and unfortunately, in many cases they're right. And I'm okay with being I'm okay with being messed up. I just think we should be in the process of transformation. I, all authority's been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, make disciples. The word disciple there is, a, is that word to, to train, to, to raise up children. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a parenting concept. You disciple your children. You disciple your children. We show our kids how to walk this out. Listen, many of us are doing more damage than good when we... Drag our kids to church and then live like the devil during the week. Your kids are confused. And then when they grow up and drift away and you go, I don't understand it, I brought them to church. Yeah, but you never brought them to Jesus in your life. Take back everything I said later. (laughs) Church, listen to me. We have got to get this right. I, I'm telling you, there's a, there is a real transition that God has put us in right now. You can call it a season. You can call it a shift. I, I don't care what, what label you give it or metaphor you use to explain it. God has said, listen, enough. It's time for my people to rise up and become the message that you preach. This message is not just something you say, it's something you are. And one, I'm telling you, if you say one thing and you are another, you're a hypocrite and a liar. Jesus said, authority's been given to me in heaven on earth. Go and make disciples. Lord, disciple me. I want to be what you called me to be. I know you... Oh, Lord, I'm moving on. God holds the jurisdiction of the universe. Man, I challenge you sometime today to get Psalm 75 out and read the whole thing. It's really... It's It's amazing. Psalm 75, seven though says, but God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. God is the judge. The, now we, you know, when we, we, <laughs> when we think of the word judge, we always think of it in a negative connotation. Is, isn't that right? But what what, what a judge does is a judge is a man who's appointed or in this case it's god not a man god says i am the judge what he's saying is i have jurisdiction that a judge if you're a judge in our country you're a judge only over a certain jurisdiction we have judges we have county judges we have circuit court judges We're about to go into a huge fight over an appointment for a Supreme Court judge. Why? Because those judges have something that's very important. They have jurisdiction. When it comes to something in a region or something in their area that that they have been assigned, they have the ability to put something up or to put something down. God is the ultimate judge because he's the ultimate jurisdiction but you see he's also given us power and authority Jesus said behold I give you power the word exousia let's back up here this is from this is from Gesenna's book of New Testament words you see that exousia is ability power influence jurisdiction That's the Greek word for exousia. So when Jesus says, all power, all jurisdiction is given unto me, then he says, go therefore, and he says, I'm going to give you power. That's the purpose of the church told to go back to Jerusalem in Acts 1, and I think it's verse 8, and he says, wait and tarry until you be endued with with let's put this other word in here jurisdiction until you be endued with jurisdiction so when you're walking in the will and the purpose of God God gives you an area for you to walk in this authority in this jurisdiction Originally, we know man was given authority. God doesn't have problems handing man authority. He created a garden. He put Adam in the garden. He said, here, I'm giving you all authority over this. You take dominion, name it. Subdue it. Fill it. But what did man do? God gave gave man that jurisdiction and he gave him only one, one word of prohibition, do not eat from the tree, of the knowledge of good and evil, for in the day you eat thereof, you shall surely... What did they do? They ate. What happened when they ate? They died toward God, there was a disconnect. They got removed, so to speak, spiritually from God. That's, you know, when God said in the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die, the word die is separation. They didn't die physically, but they spiritually got removed from God, and then they walked out as, as a people who had lost their connection, lost their identity in God. and what did God have to do with them? What, did, what happened? They got evicted. They got evicted. They got evicted from the garden. And God had to put angels there and say, can't go back in here. Man was evicted over disobedience and Satan ruled in man's place. It's all basic theology. we I don't feel like I need to hammer this. You understand what we're up against. So then Jesus comes and he lives on the earth, three and a half years of ministry, but his, his ultimate purpose in coming was to take back the authority or the jurisdiction. And when Jesus went to the cross and died, the Bible says he went into the very place of Hades and he brought back the keys of death, hell, and the gate and the grave. Why? So he could give back to man our jurisdiction. That was a really good place for somebody to shout, amen, Pastor Mike. Because this has been the whole battle. And let, let me tell you something. It hasn't been restored in, in, in fullness quite yet. And we know there's a battle ongoing. But, but listen, the battle's not because Satan uh, has more power than us. The problem is we're not, the church is not living in the jurisdiction that God gave us. <coughs> the church has been given Christ authority to rule the earth. Can you say Amen. Church has been given Christ's authority to rule the earth. I'm going to turn this guy in and write these down. <laughs> Where are we at here? I lost, there we go. So in, if you have a Bible, you could turn with me to Colossians because I'm going to read several verses here. I'm just going to take a minute. I'm not, I'm not going to just run through this particular part because I feel like this is really important. In Colossians chapter 1, the, the, Paul's, you know, Paul's talking about the church. He's writing to the church in Colossians. And, and, um, and I want to read from verse, I'm actually going to read from verse 9, which isn't up here. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord. This is what, this is what we're here to do. We're here to, to instill the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God hello, you see this, that you may walk worthy of the Lord. Can I, can I ask you a question? When Jesus walked, did he walk the earth and please the Father? He said, I only do the things which the Father tells me. Let me ask you another question. Did Jesus face opposition? Did it ever did it ever turn Jesus or cause him to quit or get up, give up? That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. I, I really believe that's your heart. I, I I know I know y'all. I know y'all have a heart to please the Lord. I believe, we have some of the, I believe we have some of the greatest servants. Notice what this says. <laughs> this is so powerful that for this reason, since the day we heard it, we do not cease to pray for you, that you may be filled with the knowledge that you are worthy of the Lord, being, being fruitful in every good work. Being fruitful in every good work. Man, there's there's a lot of fruit that's coming out of what you're doing. I just want to remind some of you. I need to remind some of you. I really feel this. This wasn't in my message. I feel like this is the spirit of the Lord right now. I know some of you are very tired. And you've been getting your backside kicked. We, we don't have a more precious couple in this church than Paul and Adele. Adele's been fighting a physical challenge. Then her mother, who's on the verge of dementia, and her brother moved in with them from St. Louis. And they have stepped up. And that's been a challenge, because I don't know if you've, ever, if you've ever had to handle that, but and then last Sunday, when we got out of church, Paul got a call that his his son was taken to the emergency room, shipped over to Rush in in Illinois, Chicago. They discovered he had, had had a brain aneurysm, and on Tuesday at 1:08 in the morning, he died. Parents aren't supposed to bury their children. I saw this pain in Paul and I said, Paul, how are you doing? I could look, I looked in his eyes. I could see that, I could see that hurt. But I saw, man, he said, he said, Pastor, I'm hurt. This hurts. This really hurts. But he said, in the middle of all this, I came home the other day from the hospital, and he said, I just went out into my garage. And it was just me and the Lord. And I just started to worship. And I felt the peace and the presence and the power of God come on me. I'm going to be okay. Tuesday, we're going to celebrate the life of his 51-year-old son who leaves a wife and two teenage daughters behind. I don't know if you want to. Do we need any help with that? We will, we're still so you can see Julie, if because that's what we do. There's not not much you can say, but as a church, we just are there. There's nothing to say. Just weep with those who weep. Tragedy comes. What do you, there's why people don't want you to pontificate. You just want to know. Do you care? They don't care how much you know about grief and sorrow. Do you care? There's not two better servants of the Lord than Vince and Letitia. They go, Letitia and, and um, the kids go to Peru, uh, per, not Peru, was it Peru? And their bus has a head on collision. Letitia's been in pain. They won't, she, the doctors here won't even see her because it happened outside the country. And then you're, you're trying to lead ministries, lead a family, lead your life. And all, the, and all of this stuff comes and people and things and circumstances. And I'm not telling you it wears you down. And that's what the enemy's goal is to wear you down. Just wear you down, wear you down. But see, Paul said, he said this, he said, keep on going because God has not forgotten your labor. For in due season you will reap if you faint not. And the only thing that keeps you from fainting Because I've been there when you just want to quit because the things get tough and and Paul's talking to the Colossians who were in the midst of persecution and a church that was in the midst of a culture that was in complete rebellion against the gospel and the antithesis of everything the gospel stood for. The gospel was about purity and righteousness and holiness and, and presence and the culture was all about sensuality and sexuality and Do your own thing. And the church was standing there as a faithful witness. The church was getting hammered. The church was getting oppressed. Paul said, don't forget. Keep your eyes on the prize. And if you keep going, there's a harvest at the end. If you don't quit, you're going to see a full reward for what you're going through. If you don't stop, it's going to come back to you. have walked this through. I remember the time when I first came into this church and some of the things I was fighting, and then all of a sudden it seemed like I wasn't just fighting the devil anymore. I was fighting some from, not, it it doesn't, I have no problem fighting people outside. And the devil, I know he's a low-down, dirty dog. But you know what hurt me? is when I had to fight my own people. And it felt like it felt like everyone is against me. Even my dogs didn't want to be around me. And one day I reached down to pet Terry and she bit me. I felt like, listen, I felt like I felt like quitting. I felt like, God, I'll fight anything, but why would I have to fight? People on the inside. Aren't we all, aren't we all f- trying to get here this place of, of, of laboring together and, and being fruitful in the work and w- walking worthy of the Lord and fully pleasing Him? But see, that's not, that's not the way it always works. Tongues rise up against you. The devil puts his bullseye right on your back. Even your own self will try to build thoughts that are that are going to sabotage what God, that was probably, I was in a, I was at Westville this week and was there for a seminar that they brought in the, the live feed from the Global Leadership Summit. Somebody paid like thousands of dollars to put this in every prison in Indiana. I mean, great material, great leaders, great, great wisdom and I'm there and during the break I was talking to some of the guys and And just talking to them about the the cost of leadership. One of the guys looked at me and he said, what's been the hardest thing for you in pastoring? Wow, I just, man, I'm like, whoa. It's a really good question. And I said, you know, I I could name you off the top of my head several things, all circumstantially, that I have thought at one time were the problem. But I said, as I sit here today, I can honestly tell you The number one challenge in my life in leadership has been to conquer myself. Because it seems like I'm sabotaging many of the things that God's trying to do in my life by my thoughts, my words, and my actions. And many of us get so hyper-spiritual, you know, we're thinking, oh, I'm close to God. You know what you need to do? You need to check yourself. If you want to know how close to God you are, you should ask somebody who's close to you. Like, ask your wife or your husband, how close do you think I am? See, I tell people too, I don't just have the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I have the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and Terry. And if, not, if the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit can't get it done, she will. You know what that means to me? I need that. Because many times I am so like, I am so detached from reality that I can't see clearly. And we, that's why we need each other. You see why Jeremiah was was trying to get away from people? Don't you think that's the devil's tactic? Is to pull you away from the very things that God put in your life to help you, to save you? Yeah, but they said something I didn't like. You, baby. Yeah, but they hurt my feelings. <laughs> Praise God. Paul's right into a church that's struggling. But here, l- listen to the terms that he uses. And I, I want to reiterate to you that the church is the hope of the world. I, I still believe that. Yeah, I know people are giving up and bailing on the church, but I have not given up. Because listen to what, this, listen to what he says here. The church is the hope as long as, number one, Christ is preeminent. Verse 16 to 18. I want get, to get on with this so I can finish it. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers. All things were created through him and for him. See, this is just letting you know his his supreme rule that that he's sovereign, that he's in charge. He has jurisdiction over everything. He even has jurisdiction over over the, the broken areas of your life. He is before all things, and in him all things consist. The word consist there means held together. He holds it all together. He holds you together. Th- think about this, church. Have you ever lost it? I mean, that's our term, right? I just lost it. You know, I've lost it a-, a number of times. And here I am. And you know why I'm still here? Because by him and through him, all things consist. And there have been times some things got torn down in my life. You know why they got torn down? Because those things had to come down before God could get those things that he wanted built up. Remember last week? Root, to root up, pluck down. And then build, and there was four, to root out, pluck down, to then build and plant. I'd have to go back and look at it again. I'm like, I'm thinking like, God, thank you. I remember one time, God took, he took something in my life that I had turned into an idol, and he completely removed it. And it was one of the most painful things I had ever walked through in my life. Listen to me. He completely removed it. And it was one of the most painful things in my life. He crushed me in this area. I've always taken a great deal of pride in my my financial prowess and my ability to, 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 to make money and and, and everything, and God, God took my pride and my independence and my self-sufficiency and my ability to make money, and he crushed it. I could not understand it. I went into depression. I was like Elijah, God, just kill me. I mean, you took everything. I was a guy, I had, I, I had everything. And then I had nothing. But there's only one reason God will do that to you, is so he can take those idols which ultimately have only one end in mind. They will ultimately destroy you so he can give birth to something new in your life. And it's in that area where God crushed me that I have been given new life, a new hope, and a a new understanding. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I was, given, I was given the ability. I, I, was, I was part of a company that, that was worth millions of dollars. I had an airplane. I had a 45-foot boat. I had a 4,500-square-foot house. I had a Mercedes. I had everything. And then I had Nothing. And then God, in his process, brought me back to him, and now I have everything. Yeah. And now God's using that, because see, now now God's using my abilities in that area toward the kingdom of God. I don't even know how it happens around here, but it seems to me like I write more checks In giving out from this church, than we actually take in. But I, but it doesn't. It it just I just keep giving it out, and God just keeps sending it in. You notice I don't get up here and hype about money. I don't get up here and work people. I'm not going to take an offering now either. This is where people, you know, yeah, and then let's take up an offering. People manipulate. I just trust God. Remember a couple of weeks ago when I got up here and I said, hey, we need a van. We need another van. Remember that? Did I tell you all what happened? I mean, we didn't get enough money on that Sunday to buy the license plate for it. And I told you I wouldn't borrow the money. Did I not? I could. But I thought, well, God, if this is your plan and this is your purpose, and you, you do it. Because by you, all things consist. And then for the next week, I fought in my mind. Did I not hear right, God? Did I mess up? Did I, I, sh- I should have just kept quiet. They're all going to think I'm crazy. That's the whole week my mind played that because n- nothing came in. And then I walked in here. And somebody walked up to me, I just, I, it was out of my mind even, because I was ready to move on. I'm like, I've missed it. I guess, you know, I've, I'm not ashamed to admit when I miss it. Can you under y- Y'all hear me? I miss it sometimes. I'm not ashamed to admit it either. I'm not too proud to say, well, sometimes I just missed it. So I'm thinking, I just missed it. I put it out of my mind and was ready to move on. I walk in here, somebody walks up to me and says, hey, how did it go on the van? I said, well, not too good. I didn't, want to, I didn't want to admit, you know, like God failed or, you know, I'm very careful about how I frame things. I'm, I'm measured. I talk a lot. I'm a preacher, man. I got logoria. <laughs> you know, logos, ria. Tomorrow, <laughs> y'all go, oh, I get it. Anyway... And I still it didn't go too good, but it's okay. Praise the Lord, and I've just move on. And they said, "Well, wait a minute." Well, I was praying about this, and the Lord spoke to me, and I have something I've been dreaming into and believing into, and the Lord said, "If I make your dream happen, He'll make my dream happen, and I'm going to give you all six thousand dollars." I can't write that. That's just people who are tuned in. That's the church being the church. Now let's take up an offering. No, you see, this is, this is how it works. When it comes to these houses, I don't... I. I've told you. I don't know. I'm I'm looking at houses now and I'm like, Lord, what do you want us to do? And I'm knowing that God is going to direct our steps. Every step. I walked into a church a few weeks ago because we were short money to buy this house that I thought I was going to put an offer in, but it seemed like the Lord said, wait. And I was... Uh, short of money but I walked into this church it was Bethel and Valpo and they called me up front and they said here we decided it, it, from the recent sale of our property we want to sow into your dream for the reset houses and they gave me a check for $10,000 I mean I just watched God keep showing up Because I just keep putting Jesus in the middle of it. I'm not here about the money. I don't want your money. I want you. I don't want what you got in your bank account. I want what's in your heart. Because if you will give him your heart, I won't have any trouble him getting to what else is there. But you know what? It's really hard to get to your pocket if you have closed up your heart. That's really good preaching, Pastor Mike. See, Christ has got to be preeminent again, not the money. It's not the crowd. I keep thinking, God, how are you going to do this here? I mean, God, how? We don't have any millionaires. And to fulfill this dream of camp reset, it's going to take several million dollars. God, I don't have any million, millionaires here, unless it's all in the yard hiding. But here's what he told me. He said this. He is before all things, and in him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. He told me if I just keep putting him first, everything will be all right. If I tear down all the idols... See, I'm not going to let houses become the thing that I worship. I'm not going to let my ministry become the thing I bow down to. I'm not serving my ministry, I'm serving Christ. And I'm going to tell you something else, I don't need a title because He knows my name. (laughs) People get all freaky about these titles. You know what you can call me after you call me to dinner? (laughs) You can call me servant, bond slave. You can call me Mike. You can call me pastor. I don't care because what you call me doesn't matter. It's what he calls me. And all I keep hearing from him is, son, son, son. And I've had to, this past year, I've torn down some things. I, I'm still in the process of tearing down some things. Maybe you're sitting here today, and it's time for you to tear down some things. Let me, can, I, can I just say something in love this morning? The reason some of you are so inconsistent is because you keep bowing down to the wrong thing. Because once you put Jesus fully, completely in the center, in everything Christ is preeminent, then you will be planted. See, that's what it says in 21 to 23. Bear with me. I'm going to read these and I'm going to done. It says, for it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. And by him to reconcile all things to himself, bring back everything to him. Everything's coming back to him. I'm going to tell you something now, too, church. The church is coming back to him. It's been in the hands of man. It's been in the hands of boards and, and, and big wheels. But Jesus is taking his church back. Mark it down. And so he says this, if indeed you continue in the faith. Everybody say continue. continue. See, if you make Jesus preeminent, you'll be able to Continue if you continue in the faith grounded and steadfast and are not moved away, right, we're right back where we started. Let me ask you a question. What would it take for you to move away from Jesus? I've seen people move away for a lot of different reasons. I can't in my mind figure one thing that is worth trading for Jesus. I love people. Listen, I love people. I love ministry. I love the church. I love life. I love my wife. I love my children. But I will not trade any of that for Jesus. I, he says this, You are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard. Can I just ask you this question? Is your hope today as bright or brighter than it was a week ago, a month ago, a year ago? Or is your hope under fire? If your hope is diminishing, it's because you are slowly moving away. So if Christ is preeminent, the church will be planted, rooted and grounded, growing in hope a vibrancy and expectancy, and then your your Christianity is powerful. Christ in you, he goes on to say, you read this later, then it becomes Christ in you. Everybody say this, Christ in me, the hope of glory. That's what Christianity is all about. You know, it's funny how people can come to church and never see Jesus. They can see lights, they can see musicians, they can see preachers, they can see beautiful buildings, they can see properties, parking lots, they can see all kinds of things. But my question is where's Jesus? You know, I thought it was interesting this morning. I'm going to say this because some of you need to hear this. I felt like as we came in this morning, this whole worship time we were in, the enemy did a really good job of distracting a lot of you. Yeah, in my spirit, I just felt like, oh, Lord. People are, their eyes are on the worship team. Their eyes are on who's here and who's not here and Who's next to them and what happened this week and what's happening next week? Terry leaned over and she said, Mike, there's somebody here today that, that um, you had a really disturbing dream. And I said, well, I, you know, let me, let me just go with this because I, I, I didn't want to, I, I wanted to, I just wanted to see how this was all going to flow out. See, because I don't get disrupted, I don't get distracted, I don't get disturbed. All I know is God, you're in control. Listen to me. God's in control. If you're that person that had a dream that's really disturbed you, it's not from God. God is the prince of peace, not the master of disturbance. He didn't come to bring a storm in your life. He came to bring peace. And Father, I just bind that off of somebody today in the name of Jesus. But now I want to go on to the rest of you. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's, it's not the church in you. Oh, we just want to get people in church. Church. The whole point of getting into church is getting Christ in you. And if this is a church that doesn't get Christ in you, you can have the church because the church can't save you. The church can't really touch you where you need to be touched and change you where you need to be changed. Only Jesus can do that. So you can go to every church in this region. Every church is different. Thank God for all of them. I don't have, a, I don't have an issue with, with too many of them. The preach especially the ones who preach the bible and i do have, I do have issues with churches that aren't that are strayed from the truth that 's a subject for another time but there's churches that you know there's churches that s- preach the truth and hold to the gospel, and they sing songs out of hymnals That's, there's nothing wrong with that there's churches where they it's like going to a rock and roll show and the flashing and smoke and whatever floats your boat because it's never, it was never supposed to be about how we do it it's about who we're doing it for Amen. so you can be in a you can be in one that's got all the bells and whistles and for you you're missing the boat because your eyes aren't on Jesus and he's not preeminent And you need to get your eyes on Jesus, but also you can be in one of the traditional churches. I was, I, I pastored a church for 17 years. I was in a denomination. I was a ordained bishop. We sang songs out of the blue banner hymnal. I never understood it, but why, why would people grab a hymnal to need the words for songs they've been singing for 40 years? If you're in the battle for the Lord and right, keep on the firing line. Here's what they do. If you're in the battle for the Lord and right. So one day I grabbed up all those songbooks, packed them in a box, and hid them in the basement. You'd have thought I denied the second coming of Jesus. Pastor, how are we going to sing? How about from your heart? That's not how we do it around here. It is now. Yeah, this was in the early, early days. Early days. This is what, there was no Hillsong. There was no Bethel. There was Nothing. But here's my problem today, we have Hillsong, we have Bethel, we have a a lot of great things but people's hearts are still not right. Because if you haven't got Jesus at the preeminence, you miss the point. Everybody stand to your feet with me. Wow. Well, I guess there'll be a part three to part three. (laughs) Because I have like 40 more slides. That's preacher talk. Bow your heads, would you please? Only you can answer this question today. I can't. I'm not here to manipulate you. I'm not here. I don't need a notch in my gun belt. I'm not, notice I don't do that. I don't go to you know I was at I I preached at Westville Monday night, first time for for quite a while because I took a break while I was going through all these tests and in the hospital and and anything, which by the way, can I just tell you I had a a doctor's appointment Tuesday, you know what the doctor said? Your heart is improving, everything is getting better, and you don't need any surgery, you don't need anything. So I finally listened to my wife and yesterday morning, you know where I was? Weight Watchers. Man, I resent my wife sometimes. I'm, I've, this is an opportunity, you see. I'm not going to shout and go on. I'm, I want to get, I want to take it to the, I want to get healthy folks. Let me ask you a question as you stand here today. If God was to give you an examination of your heart, would he say that he is the preeminent one? Or have you set something up in your heart that, has, that you bow down to, your career, your, your money, your family? I, I love family, but listen to me, your family is not to, supposed to take the place of God in your life. I love ministry, but your, your ministry is not supposed to take the place of God. I love, I love a lot of things, but, but there's only supposed to be one thing sitting on the, the throne of your heart, and his name is Jesus. And if God was giving in you an exam today, what would he say? What would he say? What would he say? So bow your heads with me. If you'd like prayer, if you'd like to say, Pastor Mike, would you pray for me because... There's some things just not well in my heart today. Proverbs 24, three says, keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Lord, I got some issues, Pastor Mike, would you pray for me? I got some issues in my heart that I need to lay down at the feet of Jesus. He's not been preeminent. I've been, I'm not, I, I haven't made him Lord and therefore I'm Lord because that's ultimately what happens. That's why we need to master ourselves, because the only way to master yourself is to put Jesus as the master, and if you don't master yourself, yourself will begin to master everything. You'll even master Jesus. You will start telling Jesus what he can and can't do in your life. And I, I, I want to submit to you that I would be really careful what I told Jesus he can and can't do. So if it's your heart today to say, Pastor Mike, would you, would you pray for me? Because some things aren't right, and I need to get this mastered. I need to get this right. I need to give it all to Jesus and make him the preeminent one in my life. How about that? Would you, st- would you just step out? Would you be so bold? I will make this quick. I'm just going to, I just want to pray for you. But I don't think you should be ashamed. I don't think you should I don't think you should be fighting a battle in your mind. Is this for me or is it not for me? Because if you have if you're asking the question, then I'd say, if your heart is right, you'll you'll come and say, Lord, it's me. I'm gonna if I'm gonna err, I'm gonna err on the side of Jesus, I want you. Jesus, I need you. Wow, thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Come on. Come on. can can we get a straight line right here? Because I'm going to walk right through here and I'm going to just lay hands and touch each one of you really quickly. And I'm going to ask the church, the leaders, the prayer team to come behind and just pray for for these. Would you put your hand on your heart? This only take a minute, church, and we'll dismiss you. And then we're going to have, we're going to give people an opportunity to get prayer for their bodies if you need prayer for sickness or other situation. But right now, this is, Jesus is doing work for people on a personal level. This has been going on now for, for several weeks because Jesus is trying to get our attention. He's trying to shift our lives into into, into a place where he can, he can actually be preeminent and do what He needs to do and put you in that place where you see the glory of God work and manifest it in your life. Whew. He wants you to have victory over yourself. So, Father, I just thank you. Put your hand on your heart. Father, I thank you that today you're going to quicken this to hearts. You're going to quicken it to lives right now. Jesus, that we abdicate the throne of our own hearts. We say, Lord, I've had enough. I've had enough, Lord. I need you. I want you to be preeminent. I want you to be preeminent in my heart and my life. I want you, Lord, to be the Lord. I repent. I repent, Lord, for where I've sat and tried to call the shots, where I've given you instruction and where I've tried to put you me in the seat and I've resisted you and I pray, Father, today that I yield my heart, I yield my life and I say, Lord, you be the Lord of my heart. You take full control. I've tried it my way. I've sat in the seat and I've said, I'm going to hold on to this. But Lord, today, you take control. Lord, you, this is my heart. This is my life. And I yield it to you. I give it to you. I surrender it to you. Yes, Lord. Yeah. Yeah. You have stood at the door and knocked in these hearts, oh God. Today, Lord, you've knocked. And they've opened their hearts. <laughs> Whew. Yeah, oh, yeah, you're changing hearts right now. Just like Saul on that day where it says he turned into another man. Lord, today you're changing hearts. You're changing hearts. Hearts are being changed right now. Heavy hearts are being healed. Even those that have suffered loss are finding that in you, Lord, the preeminence is in you. The healing is in you. Lord God, that you are the one. You are the healer. You are the deliverer. You, Lord God, saved us. You delivered us. And Lord, I want to live it out, walk it out. I don't want to just talk it. I want to see it, Lord. I want to touch it. I want to taste it. I want to be it, Lord. In the name of Jesus, today I repent, God, and I say, come in. Take it, Lord. Take control. Take control, take control, Lord, take control. take control Take control, take control, take control, take control, oh Jesus, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, Take control right here right now. These hearts are open. yeah, come on, now raise your hands, would you just just worship? See There comes a point where you just turn it all over and you say, Lord, I'm going to put it all in your hands. I'm going to worship you. That's what worship is. Worship is when you put it all in him and in his hands and you put it all and trust him and just say, that I've, I've been through so much, but now, Lord, I'm just going to praise you. This is how I fight my battles. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to walk in this, Lord God, and walk through this and put you at the center of, and when the enemy comes knocking, I'm going to keep praising. I'm going to keep worshiping. I'm going to keep giving you all the glory, O oh God, today. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the City Point Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at citypoint.tv or our Facebook page, City Point Church.